Have I met with God today? Have I met with God today? It seems like a simple enough question. A question that when I ask myself and I try to answer myself in my self-conversation, it gets a little complicated at times. Um, I find myself really trying to break down that question to kind of see what counts and what doesn't. Have I met with God today? Did I, um, did I pray when I first woke up? Did I uh, walk into our living room and look out the window and express gratefulness to God for all that he has made and all that he's given us? Did I uh, listen to worship music in the car on the way to work or when I was in carpool? Um, and, and the big one, did I, have I read the Bible? Did I pull out an actual book or open an app on my phone? Did I sit and um, think about a passage maybe that I'd heard or had been significant to me? Did I sit on it for a minute or two? I try and qualify down. I don't know if you're like me in this. I try to qualify down and really ask that question, have I met with God today? And the funny thing is, if somebody asked me, um, have you met with Holly, have you met with your wife today, right, there's no question about, no, answer, uh, no question about that question, about the answer to that question. I know whether I have or whether I haven't. When I woke up uh, this morning, did I, um, did I look over at her and did we connect with one another? Did we start talking? Um, uh, to be a little bit more honest with you, probably about an hour after we woke up. Um, one of us is not the biggest morning person. Um, but did we connect with one another? Did we have breakfast and talk with one another? Did we kind of do a rundown of the day before we were walking out the door and all that we had going on? Did we connect? Did we meet with one another? Yes or no? When in reality, when we ask this question about have I met with God today, the answer is just as simple. Because when we have met with God, we know. There's no question. When we're in his presence, when we hear his voice, when we encounter his word, whether it's through the scriptures or through hearing the scriptures through a brother or sister, we know that we have met with God. And there's just no question about it. This morning, we're, gonna, um, we're in week two, in our second week of taking a deep dive into this question of have I met uh, with God today? Last week, we focused on the truth that we are all created for relationship with God. We're made to hear God's voice. That's how we're wired. When God spoke creation into existence, part of his nature, his character that he put upon us is this deep wiring to meet with him, to connect with him, to have a relationship with him. And in spite of our selfishness and this crazy rebellion that we have toward God, God made a way through the perfect life through the death on our behalf and through the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that we could have unbroken, open, intimate relationship with the creator God of, of the universe. And this relationship that we have with God, it's not just an introduction. It's not just a, a greeting, a how do you do? And then we kind of reapproach God whenever we hit a difficult point in life and ask him to kind of step into the scene and intervene or to fix it. This relationship that God has invited us into with himself, that he has created us for, we're meant to walk with God on an ongoing, intimate way where we know him because he knows us. So this morning, we're gonna zero in on just a specific aspect of that, and that is how we meet with God specifically through his word, through the Bible. 
And there are lots of ways that we could look at this passage, lots of directions that we could choose when we talk about meeting with God in his word. But the thing that we have to check at the front end is just that when we look at scripture as a whole, it's God's revelation of himself to us. It's God's way of making himself known to people. So God throughout all history and specific events and great works, he's made himself known through, through Jesus, through the incarnation, God putting on flesh and coming to earth. He's, he's revealed himself, he's made himself known. And in his word, for us, all these things are recorded. It's like the scriptures are this storehouse of, of stories, true stories about God's mighty work throughout all time and history. It's a storehouse of knowledge, of, of truth about Jesus and who he is for us. It's this treasure that we look to and we find a place to meet with God, to walk with him in an ongoing and regular way. The Bible is the primary way that God has spoken to the church. And it's the primary way that he speaks to us. And while the Bible in its printed form like this or electronically like you may have in your hand, while it's not always been readily available to all people, the word of God has, has um, consistently been spoken out loud between people in a way that it is accessible for all to hear. So this morning, we're gonna ask three questions. I feel like this would be a good way to kind of frame our time together. We're gonna ask three questions and we're gonna look at just one verse in scripture. That verse is, is in the book of Hebrews, chapter four, verse 12. So if you have a copy of scripture with you, I'd ask that you open it up as we look at this one verse together this morning. This is Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So there are a lot of sections that we could look at as we knew specifically this is what we're gonna talk about this morning. If God created us for relationship with himself, then he's created us to be communicated with, to hear from him. And what are the primary ways that he does this? Primarily, God does this through his word. And so as we talk about engaging and interacting and meeting with God around his word, there are lots of places we could have gone. There are lots of, of, of accounts that we could have looked at all throughout scripture where men have, have, and women have valued the text, have valued the word of God, have lifted it up, have treasured it. And we're gonna look at some of those as we close our time uh, together. But in this one long sentence that we see in Hebrews, we find some answers to some foundational questions. And this verse for us, um, my prayer and my hope is that it kind of serves as a check-in point for us as to how we meet with God specifically through his word. So I wanna say on the front end, right? We're gonna walk through this passage and what my goal is, is to really lift up the sufficiency of God's revelation of himself to us in scripture. The priority that meeting with God in the Bible should take. And I know on the front end that as I talk about it, for a lot of us, one of the first things that we're gonna hear is all the things that I have not been doing. I'm gonna think about the times that I have gotten up and I've seen the Bible sitting on my nightstand and I've looked at it and I've left it there. I'm gonna think about the times where I've had a spare second at work and I could have pulled out my app and I could have read something, some truth from God, and I didn't. I wanna be clear that our time together is not intended this morning to be condemning in any way. Okay, Our time together this morning is meant to lift up the word of God as a primary means of a way that God connects to, creates a meeting space for us and how we should value it. 
So for some context about this verse, for Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 12, some context. So the author of Hebrews, um, he's writing, um, uh, and we're not exactly sure who it is, but he's writing um, to warn his readers against the consequences of disregarding God's word from hearing God and then not obeying. And what he does is he uses, um, he uses Moses and the family of Israel as a case study. He does this from like the beginning of chapter three to the uh, mid part of chapter four. And what he says is, is that they partially obeyed. And you and I both know that partial obedience is the same as what? As disobedience, it's not obedience at all. And so what the people of Israel reaped from their disobedience of hearing God's word, um, they, they reaped the consequence of not getting to see this land that God had promised. A whole generation of people passed that did not get to go into the home that God had promised his people. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us is, is listen to the word of God, specifically listen to the word of God as it is revealed to us in the, person, in the person of Christ. And so this morning, the goal of looking at this passage is to really help us understand what a gift God's word is to us, what, what a gift the Bible is to us as we seek to walk with him. All right, so to these three questions that we're gonna ask this morning. The first question is, first question is, what makes the Bible different from any other book? What makes the Bible different from any other book? Because we don't look at any other book and think we should read it in a continual ongoing daily basis, right? We don't look at um, um, a copy of Moby Dick and say we should read this every day ongoing and just keep looking at it over and over again. We don't look at a great work of fiction like War and Peace. We don't, we don't look at these things and think we should read them over and over again. So what makes the Bible different from any other book? And what Hebrews 4.12 tells us is that the, the word of God, God's revelation of himself to us through his word, that it's alive and it's moving. The way the author of Hebrews says it, he says that the word of God is living and active. Now, these two words, living and active, um, we can grab onto these uh, pretty quickly, I think. We know when something is living. We can look at it and we can tell. We look at something and we know that it's living because it's not dead, right? It's, um, it's showing the traits of something that's alive. Maybe there's breathing, there's response to interaction. There's a heart maybe that's, that's pumping blood through the structure of a body, at least for mammals, that's the way it works. We can look at something living and we can see that it's alive and active. The way that, um, that we look at this word active, it's like moving with a goal in mind when something's active, right? So um, whether we're talking about a, a mall walker who is active, trying to get their steps in or their laps around the galleria, they're being active. Or my three-year-old, um, who you guys saw this morning, um, when he is active, he's trying to avoid bedtime. He's got a goal in mind of what he's trying to do, right? We look at something and we know when it's alive and we know when it's at work. And what the writer of Hebrew tells us is that the word of God, it's alive. It has, it has personality, it has a way of working, of moving, it's, it's active in our lives. So what makes the Bible different from other books? It's alive and it's moving, it's living and it's active. God's worried word to us carries a presence and a responsiveness that's unlike any other written work. Um, reading the Bible, it's not like looking at an instruction manual trying to fix something that you've messed up. It's not like trying to thumb through and look at the back where you try and find the troubleshooting spot. And you're like, oh, this is why the screen is blank. The Bible is like having the creator of the thing that you're trying to fix there present with you and guiding you through what move to make next. 
The Bible is, is not just like a history book that we look at and we see evidence of the ways that God has worked in times past. We look at the Bible and we see true stories of the way that God has actively engaged the hearts and minds of his people. We see that his timeless character is displayed in events that have been recorded in, in the Bible. God's word to us is effective in carrying out what it intends to do. And the word of God has the ability to affect change on our lives. So the Bible, the contents itself, okay, it tells us what's necessary to become a Christian, uh, to live as a Christ follower, to grow as we follow Christ. Without the Bible, we could not know these things. We have to have read the Bible or have the Bible read to us at some point to know God personally, to have our sins forgiven, and to know with confidence what God wants us to do. This is how God speaks to us. This is the space where he gives us to meet with him. The written word of God, as you hold it in your hand in written form, as a book or in your app, these 66 books that were inspired by the Spirit of God, that were written over centuries, centuries the Bible was written, with 40 different authors, with 40 different personalities, on three different continents, with three different languages, God has preserved this word for us with the purpose of telling one overarching story. The Bible tells us of God who saves people from their active rebellion against him. And he does so by sending his son Jesus for us. This is, this is what the word of God tells us so that we would trust and hope in him alone. It actively speaks this to us when we read it. I want you to think about the power of God's word and how we even see its power displayed in here. I'm just gonna do a quick snapshot for us. God spoke creation into existence with his word. God promised Abraham that his family would bless the entire world through what? Through his, his word. God called Moses to liberate that family from slavery through his word. God spoke through the prophets pointing to a Messiah that would come and would liberate. And how did he do that? Through his word. God put on flesh that is that Messiah in Jesus, who is God's full word to us. God offered forgiveness and surrender on the cross through what? Through his word. God, God's word gives us hope in the resurrection of Jesus. And in God's word, he invites us to dine at the wedding feast, at the resurrection, at the second coming of Jesus. Now, this kind of thing, these things that, you, that I just talked about, these stories that we kind of recounted, the purposes of God's word accomplishes, this is the kind of thing that you read of in fiction. These are the kinds of like alternate universes, alternate worlds that are created with the goal of entertaining. There's nothing alive or moving about these fictional worlds or words. Only the word of God is alive and active. And this word, instead of offering us this kind of like escape from reality where we can go to to kind of soothe our minds or soothe our hearts, through his word, God invites us into the deepest of realities that is true for all people in all time. So think about other works, right? If the Bible is different from other works. I remember the first time that I read The Lord of the Rings. Anybody read The Lord of the Rings? 
Yeah, I never read The Lord of the Rings. I did not read The Lord of the Rings. I watched the movies, and then afterward, the emotion that I had after the fact was just glad that I gained my life back after losing hours of it, right? It's a great, it's a great, you know, it's a great work of fiction, and there are lots of great works of fiction that we look to, and they elicit emotion from us. Like, I really do remember the first time that I read To Kill a Mockingbird, or the first time that I read um, Where the Red Fern Grows. And those two things, right, even as a child or as a, as a, as a preteen, they elicit some kind of emotion, right? They can elicit um, sadness. I think about um, other books that I, uh, that I have read or I read to my kids. And when I think about the poetry of Shel Silverstein, or I think about Dr. Seuss, those books, they elicit emotion. They bring about emotion, um, often ending, if ending in laughter. But what makes um, the Bible different is that it is not like these books and that it just elicits emotion. The Bible, by its nature and by its word, it offers transformation, God interacting with his people. What makes the Bible different from other books? It's alive and it's moving. It's living and it's active and when we meet with God in his word, it has the power to literally change us, to give life, to take action as we give ourselves over, as we submit ourselves over to the word of God, okay? So question one, what makes the Bible different? Question two, why should I read the Bible? Why should I read the Bible? The Bible tells me the answer. The Bible tells me who I am at my core, the Bible tells me who I am at my core. The way that the writer of Hebrews says it, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing um, to soul and spirit of joints and of marrow. God's word has the ability to cut through even the toughest exteriors. There's, there's one pastor that the way he talks about God's word, he says that it cleaves through our, our tough exteriors, our hard shells, just like a warm knife will cut through butter. It gets all the way to the center of who we are. Not like a knife that, um, that someone may demo in our living room. Have you guys ever had somebody come do a knife demo in your living room? Uh, I did college ministry for um, about 10 years. I had lots of knife demos, guys. Some of you might be in this room. You did a great job, did a really great job. We're not talking about just Cutco. We're not talking about a knife that's really sharp that can cut through leather or you can like toss a watermelon. Who does that? Toss a watermelon at it and it's gonna cut it in half, right? We're not talking about that kind of sharp. We're not talking about just a really great knife sharpener that gives something a point. We're talking about something that can cut past the physical into the spiritual reality of who we are. And the way that the writer of Hebrews talks about it, he says that the word of God's like this really, really sharp sword that it cuts to the soul and spirit, to the affections of who we are. Our greatest desires, our greatest fears, our greatest wishes, our greatest longings. The word of God is able to speak to and connect with us at that level. And to bring it to a place of physical reality, he says that it cuts to the, the joints and the marrow, not just our bones, but the stuff that is inside of our bones, the deepest point of who we are. The word of God, it does this sort of surgery on us where it cuts past any sort of like religious observance that we think we must keep with interacting with it. It cuts into the darkest corners of who we are and it tells me who I am at my core. And this is not always easy. Surgery can hurt, but often surgery leads to healing. We often turn to the Bible and we look to the Bible for words of comfort or words of affirmation, right? 
But what the Bible does do for us, it does give those things. It does give words of comfort and words of affirmation. But what the Bible does tell us is it tells us who God is. It tells us who God is. And in turn, it tells us who we are. So we see who God is. And in turn, we see who we are. It names my identity. It tells me who I am. It answers this question that all of us are born with and that we walk through life asking, who am I? And we try and define that. We try and answer that in all sort of crazy different ways. We do it by pursuing success and say, I, who am I? I am a successful business person. Who am I? I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a man who loves my wife. Who am I? I'm a person who really loves my neighbor. When in reality, we look to the word of God and it tells us who he is and it tells us who we are. The Bible tells us who God is. And I want us, want us to just kind of like listen to some of these descriptors. The Bible tells us that God is creative, that he's just, that he has a mission, that he is slow to anger and he never runs out of love. He offers grace and forgiveness in exchange for our offense. He, God, has given his one and only son so that we can have a relationship with him. He is true to his promises. Only good comes from God and good only comes from God. He never changes. He is with us and he will in the end make all things new and right. He will. That is what the word of God tells us our God is. He is those things. And when we look at him and we see these things among others about him, we also see who we are. So what does the Bible in corresponding to who God is, what does it tell us that we are? What does it tell me who I am? It says that I carry God's image with me. It says that I stand in open rebellion against God, that I want what I want and I'm gonna pursue it like it's this one passion that I have in front of me. But it also says that I am forgiven through Jesus. It says that I do the things that I don't want to do and the things that I want to do, somehow I never can end up doing them. It says that I have the spirit of God inside of me because I've given my life to Christ. It says that I am a child of God. It says that I've been given God's mission and that I can't do anything on my own, that I am dependent on Jesus for all things, and that after this life is over, after I take my very last breath as a son of God, I will sit next to him for all of eternity. That is what the word of God says about me. That is what the word of God says about you this morning. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that you are his son, you are his daughter, that you have significant worth, so much worth that he gave his prized possession in Jesus to buy you back into his family. The Bible tells us who God is and it tells us who we are and it tells about the role that it plays in our, in our lives, in our individual lives. When we look at um, our, our daily goings about, right, we center oftentimes, maybe you do like I do, you center a lot of your day kind of like plotting out your meals, right? When am I gonna eat breakfast? When am I gonna eat lunch? When am I gonna eat dinner? Anybody else? Liars. <laughs> we wanna know when we're gonna eat. We know, wanna know what we're gonna eat. We're gonna know what's available to us. We're gonna plan snacks in between, right? Yes. Just as our physical body needs nourishment, God has wired us in a way that we have to have physical provision for our bodies. 
God has wired us in a way that spiritually we need provision and the word of God provides that for us. To neglect the provision of God for us in his word is, is at the detriment of our spiritual health. When we starve ourselves from the word of God, we're going to reap the weakness that comes along with it. I've experienced this in my own life uh, to be true. When I do not make meeting with God in the context of his word a priority, I see it played out in my life. I see myself veer back toward that selfish pursuit, toward rewriting kind of my own reality, to writing my own work of fiction that says I'm in control, I can satisfy myself, and I'm able to do all this on my own. But I can't. I can't. And the word of God tells me of my dependence on him. It's like any, any close relationship, right? Any close relationship that you have, whether it's a parent, a roommate, a coworker, a spouse, a child, when you spend time apart from one another, what happens? There's like this lack of connectedness when we don't exchange words, when we don't see one another and meet with one another and talk to one another face to face, something happens, this space begins to develop and grow and we feel it. We know that something's off. When we don't spend time with one another, and even when we try to get together and catch up, there's, there's some things that are missing because we've been absent from one another's presence, and it takes us just a little bit of time to recalibrate, to, to remember who we are in relationship to that person and who that person is in relationship to us. And so it is as we meet with God, as we walk with God when we spend time out of God's word, when we spend time out of investing in our relationship with God, we, we feel it. We know it. Um, my, uh, my mother uh, passed away at the beginning of the year. She passed away in January um, after a three-year battle with cancer. And she was an amazingly wonderful woman, just an amazing woman. She loved Jesus. She pointed our family to Jesus. And she taught me how to love the word of God. I can remember many uh, mornings in high school, uh, I would get up and walk downstairs to go to uh, morning workouts for basketball. And believe it or not, I played basketball at one point. Um, it wouldn't, you would not know now, but I played at one point. I'd walk downstairs and I would see my mom and this rocking chair glider that she had, that she wore that dang thing out. And she would just sit there in the morning in her little robe reading the word of God, reading the Bible. And she's not sitting there with a Bible study. She was sitting there with the word of God and this little stenopad notebook that she used to fill up. And she was spending time with God. And her life showed it to us. It was convicting, it was compelling. We saw the fruit of it. We saw the fruit of a woman who walked with God. She taught us this. She didn't read God's word so that he would love her more. We don't read God's word so that he would love us more. We don't read God's word so that we would move up in some sort of spiritual hierarchy and we would earn more of God's favor. God has given us all the favor that he can give us through his son, Jesus Christ. We read the word of God because we love God and because God loves us. So why do we read the word of God? Why do we read the Bible? Because the Bible tells us who we are 
at our deepest level, at our core, it, it shows our need. And then question three. And this question, I think, resonates pretty deeply with us. Question three is, so if, if we know how the Bible is different from other books, we know why we, should, why we should read the Bible, then why is it just so hard, right? Why is it just so hard to read the Bible sometimes? The word of God, the answer to this question is that the word of God, it exposes my heart and my mind. The writer of Hebrews says that it, it is discerning to the heart, to the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So I think that there are a good number of reasons for us that make it hard to read the Bible. Uh, the Bible can be difficult to understand. It can be inter- intimidating. It doesn't, um, leaving us not really know uh, even where to start if we're going to read it. We can start to read the Bible and find it boring, that it's not entertaining for us, that it doesn't really appeal to our short attention spans. Uh, we can lean on past experience. When we read the Bible, going after something, wanting it to provide something for us, and it, didn't, and it, and it returned short. It didn't do it. it. I read it, and it didn't work. We wanted it to perform for us in some way, and it didn't follow through. We can even question its relevance today. Can the Bible, can an old book really speak to modern living? Can it speak into my current circumstance? We can question its authority. And in turn, we're making ourselves the authority that validate its reliability. Or, or, we can look at our calendars. And we can say, I'm I'm just too busy I've got too many other things that just take priority over meeting with God and his word. And I have to tell you, friends, this morning, this one for me, this, this, is, this one has my name written all over it. I'm a pastor. I'm standing before you teaching God's word. And if the enemy is going to attack me or I'm going to give in to my own, the, the temptation that is set before me, it's this one. I just got too much going on. I'm gonna get around to it at another point in time. It does not place the le- it does not hold the level of priority in my life that it should that it should hold. Um, I was uh, talking to uh, a friend of mine. Um, she uh, she's cut our family's hair for years, and um, I was she was asking about the sermon for today. What I was going to talk about. And I said, you know, we're going to talk about the Bible, the importance of God's word. And the first thing that she says is, well, are you going to talk about? Um, are you going to are you going to tell them the answer to why it's so hard to understand? Like, why is it so difficult? To, to open the Bible and really understand what it is saying. And, um, and that's a whole different sermon, <laughs> okay? But what the answer to this question is the answer to all these other questions that we just asked. What places, what has priority over the Bible? Is it valid? Can it speak into my life today? We can't read the Bible in a way that we expect it to be something for us that it is not. The answer to these questions, it's all about the way that we approach this text. Do we approach it like it's unlike any other book? That it's God's living and active word to us? Or do we approach it like a textbook? Like I'm gonna take in knowledge, it's gonna sit up there, and somehow by me knowing something, it's gonna transform the way I behave and the things that I do. Or do we look at the Bible like it's some sort of self-help book, like I'm gonna read it and it's gonna tell me how to change and be a better version of my current self? Or do we just read it casually? We just treat it really flippantly. We're gonna just um, kind of sit down and look at it, maybe kind of mess around, dabble in the Bible a little bit, and not really being what what the word of God tells us that it actually is when it describes itself, what the writer of Hebrews says, that it's living and active, that it's a sword, 
that it both is defensive and offensive, that it works in us and for us. That when I open the word of God, it actually does something. And we have to read the Bible with that sort of expectation. Because when I read the Bible, when I sit down with it, it exposes my thoughts, it exposes my heart, it exposes my intentions. And those things are not to be messed with, friends. We're not to treat those things lightly. We have to sit down with an expectation. We have to ask God by the power of his spirit that he would speak truth to us in a way that is transformative. That when we walk away from hearing it, when we walk away from meditating on it, when we walk away from reading it, that we're different. We can treat the Bible, we can treat God's word just like we treat a phone book, like it's obsolete, like it's of no good. And if I sat down and read it, I may take in a little bit of information about things that are going on in my community or in my world, but it really doesn't have any change in my life. When the nature of God's God's word itself is everything but those things. God's word is living It's active, it cuts to the heart of who we are. Even when we sit down and we intake God's word and we ask him to teach us through it, to do what he says it's going to do, um, this isn't easy. It's not an easy thing. It's not easy to be exposed for the Bible to show us, for God to show us through his word, the things that we value the most, the things that we prioritize. These things are difficult But in order for the work of the surgeon to do what the surgical knife does, we have to see what has to be taken care of, what has to be surgically removed. I'm a pretty self-sufficient person, or at least I like to think that I'm self-sufficient. And I want you to think that I'm a self-sufficient person. I want you to think, and I want to think, that I don't need anything to do work on me, that I don't need anything out of what I'm able to do on my own or say to myself or provide for myself. But what the Bible tells me, what God's word tells me is that I'm everything but that. I'm not self-sufficient. You are not self-sufficient. That I cannot hide from God's word spoken clearly to us. Walking with God and his word is it's transformational. It changes who we are. We hear from God and we are changed. We see who he is. We see who we are. We're exposed. We're laid open by the word of God so that it will work in our lives. So God will work in our lives in only ways that he can. In the Bible, God meets us where we are and he shows us where he has been for us. In the word of God, God comforts us with his presence. We're reminded of a reality that's beyond all other realities. In the word of God, we are corrected and convicted, but we are not condemned. In the word of God, we learn how to live with others and to live with God. In the word of God, we are equipped for everyday living, to live out the purpose that God has called us to as his sons and daughters. Um, I also remember, I've had all sorts of nostalgic stories about my mom because of Mother's Day and all sorts of things. But um, I remember one point in time, my mom, uh, she, she pulled me aside and she just, she said, is everything okay? Just like in a really, you know, you moms, you do that thing. Is everything okay? Like I've noticed something's off. And, um, and she kind of probed a little bit. And I said, you know, like I have really been living in some selfishness and just really made some dumb decisions. And my mom's response to me was, well, I could tell that something was off because every time I go in your room, I see your Bible sitting on your dresser and it's, it's just not moved at all. My mom knew the old adage to be true, 
that the Bible keeps us from sin, but sin keeps us from the Bible. It exposes who we are. And oftentimes we don't wanna hear it, but that's what God's word does for us. All right, so we look at this passage. We see these three things. We answer these three questions. What makes the Bible different? Why should I read the Bible? And why do I just have such a hard time reading the Bible? So, so what? So what? We've, we've answered these questions. We've looked at the text. Um, uh, there's a compelling reason for us as people that hear this word to, to take interest in what God has to say to us. That if we desire a relationship with him, that we would want to experience God through his word. The Bible is unique in its nature. There's unlike anything like it. But as we answer these questions and we hear either for the first time, maybe this morning for you, this is the first time that you've heard the word of God spoken in this way. Or this is the first time that you've heard about having an open relationship with God and he actually desires to know you and love you and walk with you. Maybe this is the first time for you in hearing that. So whether you're hearing it for the first time or this is the thousandth time that you have heard someone speak to the importance of God's word in our life, we are all drawn to a point of response. How will we respond to what God's word is for us and to us? Much like the writer of Hebrews saying in this verse, I would say to us this morning, I say to myself, we cannot disregard it. We can't set it, we can't set it aside. If God has made us to have relationship with him, to walk with him, he is giving us his living, active, defining, and exposing word as a means for us to connect with him in deep, deep relationships today and every day for the rest of our lives. In God's word, we find an ongoing, open invitation to walk with him in all seasons. When it's hard, when it's easy, we're on the mountaintop, or we're in the valley. The good news for us and the good news for our neighbors who need to hear this about the word of God is that faith comes by hearing this good news, by interacting with God's word to us and hearing by what? By the word of God. And choosing to follow Jesus if you've given your life to him, if you've submitted to him, it is not this point that we come to where we shift the car into autopilot and just expect things to shake down on their own. We choose to actively engage in a relationship with God through the person of Jesus and the revelation of himself through his word. God wants to walk with us in his word. He's given it to us. He desires that with us. And we live in a place where we have open access to it in front of us. The question for us is what will we do with it? How will we respond to what God tells us his word is and who it is for us? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for us here in just a second. And I'm gonna ask the spirit of God to do what he does, to do a work in our lives, to, to encourage where we need to be encouraged, to challenge where we need to be challenged, to convict where we need to, to be convicted. And after I pray, what we're gonna do together is we're gonna respond to the word of God with the word of God, okay? I'm gonna read some passages from Psalm 119. I'm just gonna read them out loud. They're gonna be on the screen. I'm just gonna read them for us. And at the end of reading, we're gonna stand and we're gonna to respond to God in worship and songs together, okay? Let me, let me pray for us. 
God, I thank you that your word is true. God, that there are times where we look at it and we think there's just no way that this can be reality. There's no way that the things that we read in the text of these pages can be true. But God, we thank you that you are the one that defines authority, you are the one that defines reality, and you are the one that speaks to us through your living and active word. God, we thank you that you have given it to us as a, as a means to walk with you, to connect with you, to meet with you. And Father, this morning, I pray that your spirit would just do what he does. Father, that he would continually draw us into relationship with you through his word, that he would continually bring about transformation and change in Christ-likeness through engaging and interacting through your word. God, would you do that for us? Would you do that in us, God? Would we experience the goodness of hearing your voice through the text on these pages, God? Would we know what it means to be changed and transformed people by the power of your spirit who works about to bring to completion in a completion in us the things that you have set before us before all time. God, would you do that? And Father, as you do that through your word, we say that we will not take any credit for that. We will not think that we have just read it in the right way or that we carry around some sort of spiritual superiority, but that God, you would receive glory for that. That you're proving true to who you say you are and that your word is proving to be true what you said it is. God, we thank you for creating us to walk with you. God, we pray that we would walk with you through your word. Psalm 119, this is just select passages. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. My lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as I delight in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul, it melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. The Lord is my portion. I will keep your words. I entreat you with favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think of your ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and I do not delay to keep your commands. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O oh Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statues. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and stand it fast. 
By your appointment, they stand this day for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts for by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie and wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day.